What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Justin Van Zuden, aka STL Cardinals 84, going to attempt to steer this aircraft through a show for what could be the ugliest looking field of professional golfers that you can imagine in this day and age at a professional golf tournament. I will try to speak slowly to take up a little more time and get us through uh, in a, you know, in an orderly fashion, but uh, no, all kidding aside, we've got the Bermuda championship this week and it is, uh, it's pretty ugly out there. So uh, I will bring in my co-host, Mr. Derek Farnsworth, AKA notorious. Maybe he feels differently than me, but uh, boy, no, it was a real struggle uh, trying to go through the the list and find things to, uh, to be excited about this week. It was uh I usually do my article and stuff on Roto Grinders on Monday night. Uh, it had to wait till Tuesday morning. I did not have the gumption Monday night to do it this week, uh, but the field didn't get any better overnight. So uh, how are you doing? Yeah, doing good. The field this week is uh, something else, that's for sure. Um, I don't know if it's the worst we've ever seen, but it's got to be right up there. Um, and I will know no shot tracker either. So uh, it's definitely going to be one of those weeks. It's going to be frustrating, I think. At this event last year, there was one guy that uh, was either like three under or three over uh, at one point when he finished. And then all of a sudden his uh, score switched by like six strokes <laughs> because, uh, you know, the volunteers at these things uh, probably aren't play- paying too close attention. So uh, it's going to be a fun week. Um, and shout out to Roto Grinders member Harry Brandt, 100K last uh, week. Seriously? Yeah, nice. he's uh, he's always in the chat too. Yeah. Harry B, I think. So, uh, yeah, big congrats to him over there on FanDuel. Yeah, he's he watches this. Uh, he watches this live on YouTube almost every week. Uh, so that's awesome. I I had not seen that before just now. Kudos, uh, Mr. Harry Brandt on cue. He's in the chat. So uh, congrats. That's awesome. Uh, hopefully uh, you can keep that momentum going. Don't don't double down. Don't put the whole hundred K <laughs> on this tournament this week. Don't do that. Uh, it's not the week to 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 do that. But uh, I don't yeah, know if he could if he wanted. I can't even get 100k <laughs> down if you want hey find a way find some 5k head to heads maybe max center every gpp um yeah it's it's going to be a tough week i think but uh, and last week you know was a, a tournament that and we talked about it on the show last uh last tuesday that uh don't expect that course to play as easy again because of all the rain that they had the year before and that certainly was a tough test you saw a lot of guys double digits over par last week uh, but uh, Hideki Matsuyama, talk about a year to remember when you win the Masters and then to get the victory at the Zozo Championship, you know, in your home country. Uh, probably not a more fitting way to uh, to close out, you know, what has had to be a pretty whirlwind year for him. So good for Hideki. Pretty comfortable victory there when it came down to the end of the uh, final round and uh, was he was able to take it home. So uh, and by the way, on our prize picks last week, our prize picks segment, I had under. 18 and a half or 16 and a half for Hideki and under 22 and a half for Keegan. And they both finished inside the top eight. So I uh, was able to get uh, to get a victory on that. So that was, uh, that was nice, but good for Hideki. Glad to see him win there. Surely it meant, uh, you know, as much or more to him than it would have to anyone else in that field. Uh, what were some of your takeaways from last week? Yeah. I always love the Asian swing. Always uh, fun watching some primetime golf. And that course is pretty awesome. Um, a lot of people were comparing it to Augusta national, I liked how tough it was. Like you mentioned, I think that was a great call last week that it was probably going to be a little bit tougher than the year prior or two years prior, that is. Um, and, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. You kind of get the feeling that 
Hideki was going to run away with it. Um, anytime Tringali is in contention on Sunday, I mean, I love the guy. I play him a lot, but um, he does not have a very good track record on Sunday. Hmm. Although, uh, did if you were watching the live golf, did you see him at all? Um, he was just grinning ear to ear, big thumbs up, waving to everybody. I thought it was like a joke at first, and he did after like every shot. Um, so maybe he just loves uh, Japan or <laughs> I don't know. It was kind of strange. Yeah, it was it was a little strange, but uh, I, I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't figure it out either. But uh, um, was uh, you know a little, a little comfortable there for Hideki towards the end. Didn't have a whole lot uh, chasing him that he had to worry about. Just uh, ended up being a comfortable. What he ended up winning by four, I think. Yeah, four or five, and then uh, yeah. I mean, I was I was excited to see Tommy up there, but. Uh, playing him over Morikawa didn't really do anything. I think they both finished tied for seventh or eighth. So yeah, Fleetwood and, was even on the final round, so didn't really make a run there. And Steele played well, but he was, uh, I think, uh, four back going into the round. So uh, basically, once Matsuyama separated from Tringali, there wasn't anybody that was going to catch him. Yep, uh, I am excited to have a cutback this week. You know, it's always uh, a little bit better sweat on Friday. You get the double sweat, and then we at least get – I think you get the fake shot tracker where you get shot two from the rough. Yeah, shot fairway. two from the other. Yeah, shot two, shot two penalty. You never want to see that. <laughs> yeah, you never want to see that. Um, <laughs> shot three from the tee box is never a great thing That's... either. <laughs> but can, uh, can we start a petition to get the old shot tracker back? were you around for that one oh yeah i've got oh, yeah. a screen grab i've posted on twitter quite a few times oh, to man. see uh so i gotta good. see if, i gotta see if i can find it now i did a screenshot one time now this is mind you for those of you who weren't playing dfs back uh in uh you know the stone age like us um when dfs this is probably when dfs golf was not around right away when dfs first started uh, it was maybe two or three years into DFS when golf started and, and the PJ tour had a different shot tracker interface uh, at the time. And I had a uh, lineup at one point where all of my golfers made a birdie at the exact same time. And I took a screenshot of it. Um, and then obviously that probably would have just dropped, uh, dropped off the radar until they got rid of that shot tracker. And then, uh, so now that has gotten saved on my, uh, hard drive and I know I've posted it on Twitter a few times, so I'll have to find it, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'd be okay with that. You know, clean up the, can you, you know, you can just keep the same interface, but you know, clean it up or modernize it a little bit oh. if you want to, but that was uh, cool. Was... Cause the, the color of whatever they hit it came up first and then it would show you how far or how close it was to the hole. So if it was yeah, like Brown, you knew he was in the sand or if it was light green, you knew he was made it to the green of the fairway. Um, so for anyone out there, uh, yeah, post that, <laughs> check, check your Twitter. And uh... I got, I'm scrolling down, trying to find it way too many gifts on Twitter. Um, I've found everything's coming up Millhouse a couple times. I've found uh, two, <laughs> Two images of Bryson counting to 10. Uh, we found a lot, but uh, I haven't found the last time I posted it. We got a like a four putt from Jordan Spieth in there. We got lots of goodies, but uh, I'll right. find it. I'll find it. Advanced Twitter search. Here we go. <laughs> uh, Paul Casey making a making a 10 that one time. That's on there. Oh, that was on a par three, I believe. Yeah, he went over, back and over the water. At Memorial? Times. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> oh, boy. The uh, 
the old shot tracker was uh, was was a weird was a real gem for sure. Uh, all right, um, enough stalling. We can start talking about this week a little bit here. We've got the Bermuda Championship, third year this event has been contested. The first two times, Brendan Todd and Brian Gay are your two winners. Probably the two two of the shortest hitters on the PGA Tour. So. I'm not sure we can draw a whole lot of conclusions from a two-event sample size, but surely, uh, based on the length of the course and the two winners, you, you probably don't have to be long off the tee to contend here. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um, if, if those guys are going to contend, let alone win, um, you definitely don't have to have distance. And just look at the scorecard. I mean, it's 6,800 yards, and it's a par 71. That's like one of the shorter courses uh, that we see on the PGA Tour all year. I think there's a couple in California that are like 6,900, but they're both uh, par 70s, I believe. So it's going to be a very short course. Um, It doesn't mean long hitters can't contend, but I do think the driver is less of a weapon than it is on most courses. Um, The wind's going to, you know, play a big factor in the scoring. If the wind's down, I think it's going to play pretty easy. We saw Brendan Todd win at 24 under par. The wind picks up. I think it could be a little bit tough. It's obviously right there on the coast. And uh, on Thursday, it looks like there could be 30 mile per hour wind. So um, definitely check Wednesday night. There could be a tee time edge one way or another. Uh, I am looking at, you know, stroke scan on approach, but it kind of seems like it's just more of the plotter types than the guys that are like pinpoint accuracy with their irons. I mean, we don't really think of Brendan Todd or Brian Gay as like great iron players. So I don't know. Um, they do have in common that they're both great Bermuda putters. So if you want to look at accuracy, Bermuda putting, um, if the wind picks up, you're probably going to want to be able to save bogeys around or save par around the green. And yeah, I don't really have a strong take uh, other than you don't need to be a bomber by any means. All right. So I found my shot tracker image and I have sent it in our Slack channel to our producer, Eli. Uh, and I'm going to see if he can find a way to put that on the screen so that the people who may not have ever seen it before uh, can see it. And it's so glorious because all, all of my guys made birdies at the same time. I, it's, I've never seen it again like that before because it's so, you know, it doesn't show the same uh, imagery anymore that it did. And that's, and that image isn't going to show the uh, sand or anything, but uh, we'll see if Eli can get that on the screen. Uh, and, and he can shout in my ear when he does, and then, then we can reminisce a little bit, but oh, perfect. So Eli's got up there. I posted this right before Christmas, a few years ago on Twitter. So, um, you know, the old shot tracker and it's all the old DFS guard, all the old guys, all of us have been playing for like six years and somebody, you know, a lot of people are probably gonna look and say, Oh, what was so special about that? But like Noto said, where the, you know, where the green is and the, uh, the hole at the cup at the end. Uh, if they hit it in the sand, you know, that would show up, uh, it would show the yardage and it would show up Brown. And if they hit it into the native area, it would show like gray and stuff like that. So had to save that image. Um, and you know, Daniel Berger and Justin Thomas were playing. So, you know, it's been say six years, maybe, um, six or seven years since we've had that, but, uh, uh, probably the last time that David Hearn's ever been in second place in the tournament. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I did I did message the PGA Tour, uh, the ShotLink account on Twitter when they asked for feedback and told them not to get rid of it, and they asked me why. And I didn't really yeah. have a good answer. <laughs> I was just gonna say uh, it was easy to sweat like twelve golfers at once too. Yeah. Um, you know, even on the main PGA Tour side, that's probably what I use. I don't like the app because you have to click into the golfer to see you know where they're hitting it, but 
um it's, it, the spacing's like much farther out on the on the pga tour site now yep, so yep. and i never use the app either like i see people posting screenshots from the app and i'm like what's that oh yeah, it's too much work app. Too yeah much work. I, it's just i want a one-stop shop to get mad at my golfers like i want to see all the missed four footers <laughs> in one spot um have you noticed that uh when you click into the, the 3d thing it's like 30 seconds ahead of the the, the actual text yeah yeah a few times i've noticed that uh and you know sometimes it what really drives me nuts is when that just shows a putt being made and it says it's zero inches and it's actually mm-hmm. a two putt um yeah. that drives me that drives me bananas but uh anyway yeah they, i think that's the reason why a lot of us were kind of endeared to the old shot tracker it made it easy for you to uh to, to like you say sweat 10 or 12 golfers at once if not just because of the different color coatings um you know made it easy to look and see that but uh yeah that was good it was good this was a very good week to reminisce about that because it passed some time uh and we don't have to talk about all the golfers like they've run out of alternates this week i've never seen this they've exhausted all the alternates and now they're just not replacing guys the field is already five short of what it was supposed to be i've never seen that we can fly out yeah we can fly out i mean I, and I don't, I guess the country, I was telling Eli this before the show, the country, Bermuda has a vaccination requirement. So all the, you know, golfers that aren't vaccinated obviously can't get into the country. I don't know if they didn't know this ahead of time or not, but uh, like 20 golfers have pulled out plus, you know, including a lot of the alternates. But so we're down to, I believe, 127 now, unless somebody else is withdrawn in the last two hours. I haven't checked again lately, but I think we were down to 127. And a lot of these golfers are not very good. So in theory, like in theory, we should see a higher percentage of six to six lineups this week. You would think. You would think, but um, it kind of seems like these events, there's more volatility than normal uh, just with a lot of the chalk and just, there's going to be a lot of random guys that missed the cut. So you would think there would be a higher six to six, especially with the smaller field, but you just never know. Um yeah, I don't really know what to expect this week. It's gonna be, um, and another thing, in terms of modeling, a lot of the guys are, you know, Corn Ferry Tour graduates. So um, if you're looking at any sort of statistical, uh, you know, a- analysis, then you're only going to have like 12 rounds for a lot of these guys. And it's just not going to tell the whole picture, you know, of what type of golfer they are. There's some that we think of as like good ball strikers that have good putting numbers and vice versa. And so uh, it's just a really tough week overall, but maybe putting in the extra work is going to, is going to come in handy because a lot of people are probably going to see it the same way we do. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and start digging in. Then we'll, uh, we'll break down what we've got. Everybody's playing with the same uh, playing field. And again, you know, prioritizing uh, accuracy uh, seems to make sense. We saw, I believe 24 under as a winning score here the first year something like that uh, scores were a little worse last year because it was extremely heavy winds. And that's basically the defense that this course has. So Noto, you mentioned there's a day potentially uh, we could see winds kicking up. Maybe we get a tea time advantage, definitely something to keep an eye on there as well as we get closer to Thursday, but uh, still a little too far out to, to definitive, definitively uh, narrow that down as of yet. So uh, let's talk about the top. We've got five golfers above 10 K this week. That'd be Fitzpatrick, Bazudenhout, um, Mito Pereira, Patrick Reed, and Seamus Power. So uh, weird to see Bazutenhout as the second most expensive golfer in the field, but that's what we have this week. Um, it looks like you might like him a little bit here. 
Yeah, definitely like uh, Bazoot and Hout. I'll call him Cbez for short because it's a lot easier. Um, but he has made 26 straight cuts worldwide. Um, that's pretty incredible. And uh, his numbers during that stretch are really good. He's the guy that's not long off the tee, but he hits a lot of fairways. Good with the irons, and he might be, you know, one of the better putters in the entire field. Coming off of back-to-back top fives, one was at the BD- BMW PGA Championship, one was at the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. So he's my favorite play up here. Certainly can't go wrong with Mito Pereira. I mean, his ball striking numbers. He's gained at least 7.8 strokes on the field each of the last three events. So got to like him a little bit. Uh, Seamus Power just continues to play well. He struggled a little bit after his win, but he's bounced back with a couple good ball striking performances. He's the only guy above 10K that's actually played the event. Uh, A couple top 40s for him. Fitzpatrick coming off the win over on the European Tour. I think he makes some sense, and I kind of think he's going to get a little bit overlooked. We have him as the highest projected golfer right now uh, above 10K, but I wouldn't be surprised if Mito, uh, you know, is way higher owned than Fitzpatrick just because he's been in such good form. People like fading the guy coming off the win and, uh, you know, all those fun narratives. Uh, And then if you look back like six months, the only guy that doesn't have sticker shock in terms of his price would be Patrick Reed, but I can't play him right now. I mean, look at his ball striking numbers. Uh, He's nearly been dead last in each of his last three starts. I think he's lost uh, 7.1, like 6.3 and I don't know, something like that uh, ball striking. So a lot of ugly numbers when it comes to Patrick Reed and it's not like we, you know, have the best track record with them anyway. (laughs) <laughs> for sure. Like I said last time, I've just been fading him for a while and uh, it's been working. So I'm not going to upset the apple cart at this point. Yeah, his numbers have been pretty bad. Uh, I'm out. I'm out. Gladly out until he shows us some signs. Uh, do like Fitzpatrick, like you mentioned, coming off the win over in Europe. Uh, like he loves these types of courses, a shorter course. I mean, these are the courses that he just really likes to play. Uh, he's not long off the tee, and it doesn't really, you know, put him at a disadvantage. I mean, he talks about how much he loves Harbortown. Uh, that's kind of a, a comparative type of course for for this one. Uh, very short, you know, under 7,000 yards. So uh, I like Fitzpatrick a good bit. I did tag up Mito as my favorite play uh, just because, you know, he's the one guy that I've been on since the start, and uh, he's rarely let me down. So I'm more than happy to keep riding that wave. Um And I kind of agree. I think their ownership will maybe end up being similar uh, by the end of it. So uh, like all those guys and certainly fine with Seamus Power, he lives to play in these weak field events and generally does pretty well on them. So I like everybody except Reed basically in that tier. Um, Probably not playing Buckley either at 9,900. Definitely sticker shock there. Um, I, I just think I'd rather play some of the other young guys that are a little bit cheaper, but he is like 30 to one to win, which seems crazy. Any Buckley interest for you? I mean, if you look at his results, they're very hit or miss. He's got a lot of top tens, a lot of missed cuts, even you know, on the corn Ferry tour. So uh, I think his outright number kind of makes sense because he's shown, you know, a lot of volatility, but I don't think he makes a great play for DFS at the price point, especially if he's going to be, you know, low teens. Um, I, I agree with you there. I agree with you on Chad Ramey, just because, I think we get similar talented guys of a lot cheaper, um, which I'm sure we'll talk to talk about. Danny Willett's coming off of a win. Kind of hard to trust him, although he does tend to play, you know, these kind of uh, coastal courses well, and he does play well in the wind. So if you want to go that route, I don't mind it. I don't think I'll have a lot of exposure to the 9K range, to be honest with you. I like Adam Hadwin. He's probably my favorite of the bunch, but he's going to be very popular, it looks like. I was hoping he would be a little lower on, but um, – He's coming off of a T6 where he was really good with the irons. 
I think Pendrith would make some sense, but you know, his best weapons is drivers. So um, I don't know. It just seems like if you're going to hit 350 yard drives here, you're probably going to be either going for the green or getting yourself into a lot of trouble. So I don't know what to expect there. Patrick Rogers seems overpriced to me. Matthias Schwab is at least a little interesting, but um, he hasn't shown a ton over, you know, on the PGA tour. So you know, do you like anybody in this range? No, not really. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think in terms of upside, I think Pendrith is going to be volatile, but I do like his upside and the fact that he's in the single digits. I mean, to me, it's just hard to reconcile like Adam Hadwin hadn't done anything for eight months, maybe longer than eight months. And yeah, he's got two top tens, you know, here in the fall swing, but that such a long period of time with absolutely nothing to be basically the highest owned guy in the field. I mean, I get it with the recent form, but I just, I can't do it at 9,400. I mean, Pendrith is a third, you know, a third of the ownership. And I don't necessarily think he's safe. I think in cash games, you're probably just ignoring all the nine K's and, you know, you start with one of the, your favorite of the 10 K's and go from there. Like, I don't think anybody in the nine K's is necessary, but I do like Pendrith and GPPs. Yeah, I like that call. I just, man, Hadwin, so he's fifth in the field in accuracy, or tenth in accuracy, fifth in putting, three top tens in his last six. I get the reason why a lot of people are playing him. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And I just, it's hard to reconcile him at that salary and 25% on these days. Yeah, the ownership sucks. Yeah, that's pretty high. I mean, if he was, if everyone was still forgetting about him, maybe. Nobody wanted to play him at like 6,800 a few weeks ago. And now all of a sudden he's massive chalk, but uh, we'll see. I mean, form does matter. So I uh, can't deny the results here so far in the, the fall swing for him. All right. Let's head down into the eight K's uh, again. It's not that deep. Uh, two months ago, Guido would have been the obvious play here, but his form has hit a rough patch, kind of a Patrick Reed type spell for Guido um higo the same way he's come on a pretty rough run of form so uh any interest in a lot of these 9k guys or 8k guys rather yeah uh, it's just about as dead as the 9k range for me uh unfortunately i think denny mccarthy is interesting a guy that you know he did find some life with the irons last year it hasn't been the case over his last couple months but He's a guy that puts it very well and uh, pretty good when it comes to hitting fairways. Uh, he's played here each of the last two years, 15th and a fourth place finish. So um, he kind of fits the Brian Gay, um, Brendan Todd mold where he's going to hit fairways and hopefully make some putts. And other than that, I mean, Tagala, he's been playing well, but he seems really expensive. Thomas Dietrich, uh, his numbers on the European tour have come way down. Um, he used to be one of the better ball strikers over there, but that hasn't been the case in 2021. Yeah, I don't know. Jaeger has uh, got some good numbers, a lot of top fives over on the Corn Ferry Tour, but he hasn't been great in the fall swing season. So I don't love a lot here. Uh, my favorite play by far is going to be Ryan Armour. I do think he's going to be very popular. I'll take the over on the 11% that we have him right now. He is second in this field in accuracy, 15th in strokes game putting on Bermuda. He's got back-to-back eight-place finishes uh, at this event, and He's got uh, some top tens prior to his last five starts as well. So I think Ryan Armour makes a lot of sense. Did you ever think that you would be uh, championing Ryan Armour as a great play in uh, 2021 at $8,100? I'm sure I've had worse takes. Um, that, yeah. And 
And so I put in my hot take the survey. Cbez or Armor is going to win this week. I'm hoping it's Armor because uh, better odds for sure. <laughs> That's a very random take, uh, but uh, I'm sure you'll be you can victory lap it all you want if it hits. Uh, that'd be a great one to, uh, you know, you bet them both and uh, Armor. Oh, let's see what's Armor probably fifty ish maybe. Yeah, fifty five uh, on DK. Yeah, most of the guys in that uh, salary range are on fifty. So I uh, hadn't looked at him specifically. Yeah, it's not a great range. Um, you know, Bramlett sometimes has some upside stallings will pop in these weaker field events sometimes, but, uh, nothing about their current form makes it all that exciting. And so people are probably wondering, you don't like anybody in the nine Ks, you don't like anybody in the eight Ks. And we know this is a really weak field. So who the heck do you guys like? Um, the seven K range actually probably has the most options of, of any, uh, of any range in this field. You know, obviously the 10 K plus guys are, are pretty safe. Uh, but in terms of finding plays to round out your lineup, like I think you're going to see people going to two or three players in the seven K range because they aren't, they don't feel all that much worse than a lot of the eight and nine K plays uh, and you get a little bit more salary saving. So, um, you know, Nick Hardy is definitely my favorite. Like Hardy was perhaps the most consistent overall golfer on the corn Ferry tour last year. Um, he's made all three cuts so far on the fall swing. He's still only like 10% owned, uh, probably will, will trend a little bit upward, but, uh, you know, I, again, we, both of us have kind of been on his bandwagon, uh, for the, the fall swing events. And this is basically a glorified corn fairy tour field. So uh, I'm not sure why, uh, why we would hop off now when, you know, he's a thousand, 1200, 1300 cheaper than some of the other recent corn fairy tour grads. So. Hardy is my favorite in the seven Ks. I know you like him as well. Uh, so your thoughts on him and then some of your other favorites in there. Yeah. So if I don't make any adjustments, manual adjustments to the model, um, granted he has a pretty small sample size when it comes to stats on the PJ tour. Uh, he's seventh in this field, um, not seventh best point per dollar play, seventh best overall play. And he's only 7,900 on DraftKings, 9,200 on FanDuel. So uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, Makes a lot of sense. Actually, 94 on FanDuel. But, yeah, I like him quite a bit. 84% cut rate um, over the last two years, both on the PGA Tour and on the Corn Ferry Tour. So he's my favorite play as well. I think Russell Knox is interesting. Um, PJ Splits, um, the guy that does our, our splits tool here at Roto-Grinders, put out a tweet about the best win players. Russell Knox nearly uh, at the top of that list. He's also got a couple top 20s. Um, and uh, you're kind of been, uh, you know, Russell Knox up and down on him over the years. Do you uh, like him at all? Yeah, I was shocked to see, you know, him coming in as chalk because he doesn't have the form that Hadwin does uh, over the fall swing. But, you know, the narrative is certainly out there that these are the types of courses that he plays well on as well. Um, I don't know. I'm still kind of undecided. Like, normally I would just jump at Knox here, but – uh, if he's going to be like a top five owned play, uh, I'll probably just take my chances on some of the other guys. Like uh, I understand the logic, but it's not like he's this can't miss, you know, chalk play. I, I think this is a week where yeah. you expect the unexpected a little bit and you get away from some of the value chalk. Yeah. He rates out like a slightly above average play for me, not like a great play. So 23% ownership that does feel a little bit high. I don't mind going to Hank Laviota. I know he's missed four cuts in a row, and before that he had to withdraw. But um, I've probably I've tried this four <laughs> times. I'm glad it's you this time. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's been ugly, but he's good with his irons. Uh, a couple of good finishes here. We've seen a lot of guys that just have like great 
course history. If they played well here the first year, they came back and played well again the second year. Um, a lot of them, uh, David Hearn, Brian Gay, Hank Leviota, uh, Ryan Armour, all of them with like top 15s both years, Denny McCarthy. So maybe there's something to the course history angle. Um, and he's played well here in the past. So I don't mind that. Won't be playing any Dylan Fratelli. I'm not sure what's drawn, uh, you know, all that ownership. Maybe it's just a big name. Um, but he's been pretty bad for a few months now. Yeah, he has. He's kind of fallen off there. Um, he's on the uh, the Patrick Reed train, I guess. They're just trending the wrong direction. Uh, Alex Smalley's another guy I like if you want to go with one of the recent Corn Ferry Tour grads. He's uh, made his last couple of cuts. Uh, pretty good statistics overall if you look at his PJ Tour rounds. Uh, he's near the top of this field in a lot of the strokes gain categories. So I'm fine with him at sub 10%. Um, Eckroad is another guy that's kind of getting some love as a value this week. I, I think he's fine. Um, and Duffner, somebody brought up Duffner on the show. I can't, uh, I can't, it was one of the fall swing events. Let's see what was the uh, Fortinet, I think was the only one he played in um, and he finished in the top five. Uh, so he's trying to make a little bit of a resurgence and he's going to get some ownership this week. So uh, again, would be the type of course where he could potentially do well, assuming that the putter doesn't let him down. Um, so, you know, at double digit ownership, I think you can take or leave him, but uh, Harry Hall, another guy that, uh, that has been putting up some, uh, some decent numbers. He finished top 10 at the Shriners. Anyway, uh, who, who did you say finished top five? A Duffner. He was fifth at the Fortinet, I believe. Or maybe 40, not. Okay, he was forty second because I was looking at my so I so I have a crazy stat on Duffner in his last forty three events the last two years he hasn't finished in the top ten percent of the fields one time so that's like one that's top wild 15. I think our uh, let's see all right I got draft yeah forty second okay that's an error in our draft king or in our uh, player log on Roto Grinders had him finishing fifth I was relying on the player log on Roto Grinders. Uh, which is obviously wrong. Okay, 42nd, I stand corrected. Well, he's going to be chalky for some reason, so I'm out. <laughs> no, yeah, I was just saying that because uh, I thought my model was wrong, maybe. Um, nope, you got it right. It's just wild to me that he hasn't finished in the top 10% of a field once in two years. The top 10%, not one so, time. Not one time. So if it's 156-man field, he's got zero top 15s even. Yeah, it looks like our Roto Grinders player cards are just maybe wrong for that one event because it's got the Harry Hall eighth place at the Shriners correct. So, uh, anyway, if you're relying on those, I will uh, I'll bring that bug up to the uh, tech team to see if we can get that fixed. Uh, anyway, Harry Hall confirmed with the actual uh, leaderboard eighth uh, at the Shriners. Uh, don't mind him at 7,200. Seems like Brian Stewart, another short hitter is going to be the chalk at the bottom end of the 7k range at 7100 uh, not the greatest recent you know results for him um either but i mean these are the types of courses that he tends to play well but he's missed the cut all three of his fall swing events i don't mind him uh at that salary yeah. your thoughts on kind of the lower end of the 7k range there yeah steward should be a perfect fit for the course if we're looking for the accuracy putter guys but um he hasn't played great here t51 and a missed cut in two tries um if he's going to be popular i don't mind going to lahiri instead he's a guy that always tends to play well in these coastal tracks t11 here last year and form hasn't been great but he is making cuts so i'll go lahiri over steward um if the ownership looks like there's going to be a pretty big gap and that's really it for me in the lower range maybe some matthew neesmith uh, finally showing some life recently. He's one of the better guys in the field when it comes to 
Strokes gain approach and green regulation, pretty bad short game. Um, but he does hit a lot of fairways. So 7,300 for him at 7%. I can get behind that. And are you going back to the defending champ? Third and a first here in his two appearances. <laughs> I am not. I'll take my chances on that uh, being somewhat of a fluke. Uh, he has been. So what's it? Where is he in the model? Uh, 72nd overall, which is negative 27 in terms of the ranking compared to the salary. So pretty I bad. Am, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I'm out as well. I like Bo Hogue, though. <laughs> I've, tr- I've tried to champion that train a few times, too. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, he seems cheap at 7k like this. He's been 7k in some stronger field yeah. events, so I don't mind it on a salary perspective. Uh, I think he makes some sense. Thing with but, him, he is gonna be right near that cut line on Friday, guaranteed. <laughs> like, these are the guy in GPPs. I think you take a 6k golfer and you just throw some darts. I mean, you don't have to do it on the guys that are absolutely terrible, and you get down to 6k, and there's a lot of ugly. Uh, there, there's just a lot in this field that, um, you know, pretty difficult to like, but guys like we've seen some of these guys like Kirk Kitayama has always, I've seen him in the Monday qualifiers shoot like nine under 10 under rounds. Um, and you know, these are the types of events where you're just going to see one or two of these random guys pop up on the leaderboard, 2% ownership on, on Kitayama. So, um, like, He's probably my favorite in terms of the YOLO options in the 6Ks. Uh, looks like TJ has tagged up Adam Svensson and Cameron Percy as potential values. Do you have anyone you are making a strong lean for in the 6Ks? Svensson's interesting. If I uh, extend the stat period in my model to like two years when he was uh, you know, on, the, on the PGA Tour before this run, he has really good numbers. Uh, if I don't, he doesn't rate out all that well, but – uh, cheap guys that do rate out well, Dylan Wu, um, he's been playing some decent golf, pretty good numbers on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, Vanderwald, I don't really know a whole lot about him, but um, 69% cut rate on the Corn Ferry Tour, and he's been playing pretty well recently. Uh, a couple of the older PGA Tour grinders, you got Vaughn Taylor. I know he hurt his hip, hasn't really been the same since, but he's a good putter, hits a lot of fairways, kind of the typical plotter type that we like on these courses, and Camilo Vajegas who has been very up and down. He's been um, usually a good ball striker, but lately he's found a good putter. So if you can put those together, you know, maybe he can get something going here. Boy, I remember the one time that we talked about his putting stats on the air last year, maybe eight or 10 months ago. And it was just awful every week. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, if he can putt reasonably well, I mean, that was mainly what was holding him down over the course of, you know, a year or so was the putter. I like to call on Wu too. I think he's fairly interesting um be careful there are two woos in the field brandon woo dylan woo so make sure you don't roster the wrong one um i don't know which one's better but dylan rates out well for me yeah we got a value tag on dylan as well so it seems like he's the consensus uh or you can you know pair him up for the woo correlation uh who knows they you know get a little crazy with the lineups this week might not be a bad thing <laughs> uh because as you get down closer to 6k i mean this just a it's a wasteland like Maybe I, I need to make another Robert Garrigus call here or something. To, uh, I can't do that on this course. Um, I definitely can't play Garrigus here. But it's just – it's bad. It's its the worst I've ever seen. Like, it, it is. I'm not – this is not hyperbole. This is worse than a John Deere Classic field. It's terrible. 
It's bad. And so this guy, I've never even heard his name before. Scott Gucheski. Um, he rates out as there's 20 guys in this him. field. I've never heard of. He's 131. This guy we've never even heard of is 130 to one. I don't. Yeah. Who? Scott Gucheski. Chusky. Scott. You got to search for Scott because I don't and know how to spell the last name. He's 46 overall on my model. Got Chusky. So. <laughs> Who is this guy? but i've uh, i've got to figure out chase cyford's down here we know him at least gucheski he's 45 he played the u.s open in 2009 and missed the cut i wonder if he's like a club club pro at the time i've never heard of this guy yeah, me neither. He won on the nationwide tour. Now I'm not sure. Was that the uh he earned his PGA tour? Okay, the nationwide tour was the old version of the Corn Ferry tour, which has changed names so many times. He got his PGA card in 2005, uh, finished 149th on the money list to retain partial status for 2006. Uh, lost his card, got it back through Q school for 2007, returned to the nationwide tour in 2008, got a second victory there and then got his PJ tour card back for 09, lost it again. Boy, he's been grinding for a long time. Is a quick fast forward this, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's in 2011, lost it again. So he's had a PJ tour card like six times and then he got it back for this year he's got a pga tour card good for him for like the sixth time like you'd think after he hadn't had a card since 2011 you know 10 years later is a decade away from his last time he had his pga tour card and he got it back that's grinding it out man well now we got a roof on scott gutcheski now the question is are those odds legitimate or was there like one random big bet that came in on him and the books are like, okay, we're just going to put him to 150 to one. Yeah. Let me pull it up again. Cause I pulled them on uh, Monday that, or they just priced everyone at 130 Cause, <laughs> cause they don't know. know what else to do. All right. Scotty G. He looks like one of my high school math teachers. Yeah. 131. Is that consistent or are you just looking at DraftKings? That's DraftKings. I got FanDuel if I can find it. But I mean, other like Austin Smotherman, Ben Coles. I've never heard of these guys either. They're Smotherman awesome. I've heard of. I don't David know that much Stins. about him, but I've heard of him. What a field. Scott Gutcheski. He's 210 on FanDuel. Bargain. Ooh, value. Bet him. Bet him a 210 <laughs> on FanDuel. The importance um, of line shopping, people. I'm grateful that we found some filler talking about the old shot tracker and going way over the projected 10 seconds on Scott Gutcheski. Um, Hope I'm not butchering his name. If he wins, we'll invite him on the show. I'm sure he will accept. He's 210 on FanDuel. I'm looking on FanDuel to see if there's any crazy names uh, that stand out. Vanderwalt's 100 on FanDuel. Uh, Let's see. Going up in Kitayama, 70 to 1 on FanDuel. He's 6,900 on DraftKings, 70 to 1 to win. I like Kitayama. I like him. What's Kitayama's top 20? 
Kitty, I'm a top 20 prop. I like him. That's interesting. Like some of these make miss cut props. Luke Donald, even money to make the cut. Crazy how times have how times have changed. Anyway, uh prize picks. Don't forget about prize picks. I've got to brag about it because I hit my picks last week. So prizepicks.com, download the app, promo code grinders, get you a hundred dollar deposit bonus on your first deposit. Um, so yeah, I won mine last week. Noto lost his because he picked an over. No, I got half my buy-in back. Oh, that's right. You did one or two, and yeah, that's right. That's right. You, you took the you took the easy way out. You got the uh, you did the flex play, so you just had to hit the one because he took an over. So I know, I know, Noda's not going to take an over this week. I'm going to take an over though. I'm gonna we're going to flip it up around this week. So I've got the under on Seamus Power at twenty and a half. Uh, these are the types of events he usually dominates. I'm fine with that for him getting a top twenty. Uh, and Nick Watney over 34 and a half because he is still Nick Watney. He's barely plus money to, you know, to miss the cut. So uh, I feel safe with the over 34 and a half or, you know, either a missed cut or finishing outside the top 35 uh, if he does make it. So that's my prize picks this week under on Seamus power over on Nick Watney. Hopefully we can go two in a row. What you got? I got under on Bazudenhout. He's going to win, so he's going to hit the under of 17 and a half. And then I've got under on your boy, Adam Hadwin, at 27 and a half. Uh, shout out to Hingo in the chat. Scotty G for the win. We're all rooting for uh, Gucheski. And then uh, DJ Johnson says, Fabian Gomez's birthday tomorrow. So a uh, little birthday narrative. He's actually a golfer we've heard of. What's he priced at this week? He is 6,300. Wow. He must be in real bad form. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the birthday is a good or bad thing. I mean, birthday celebration in Bermuda, have a few drinks and, uh, you know, partied up. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that'll make him play better. I can't hurt his he's form. Play- <laughs> <laughs> he's playing pretty bad. I'll make him play a little better. Um, all right. We've drugged this out, I think, about as much as we can. Um, the field is just pretty weak, and it's really weak. I'm just trying to put lipstick on the pig. And drawing it out longer isn't going to do a whole lot. We've hit the quota of uh, golfers to talk about. And uh, again, don't be afraid to take a chance maybe on one or two guys in your GPP builds uh, because ownership is going to congregate around the players that seem, you know, quote unquote safe. So anything else you want to add before we dart out of here? Let's get another 100K winner um, from our from our listeners. Let's do it. Yeah. Awesome. Again, congrats to Harry Brandt on the hundred K takedown last week. That is always fun to see. And uh, we'll see if somebody else, maybe me, maybe Noto, maybe one of you can, uh, can follow it up this week. And then we will roll the calendar into November. I was telling Eli before we started the show, I hate this time of year. And I don't know, not, not, not from a sports perspective, but just from a life perspective, I live in Illinois. It's like 35 degrees in the morning. And it gets dark at five o'clock and I'm old or something. Cause like seven 30, I'm like exhausted every night and I don't like it. Like I miss summer. So I think I have to move South somewhere once like my kids are off to college. I just, uh, I don't like the cold weather in the winter. I'm getting old and grouchy. Yeah. I'm the same way. Getting cold, getting dark. I hate it. Uh, it's like, like, yeah, I get home from, you know, get home for the day and like, Oh, it's dark already. 
Uh, so anyway, Aruba, Bermuda sounds great. Uh, I'm going to, we'll be uh, hitching the wagons out to Bermuda here and uh, enjoying some warmer weather. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I know you guys don't care that, uh, that it's cold in the morning in Illinois, but maybe some of you can commiserate uh, you uh, northerners and us that uh, have to deal with the winter. But looking forward to the month of November, uh, we've got the usual kind of closeout of the fall swing. We've got Mayakoba next week. Then we've got the Houston Open. Then we've got the RSM Classic before the uh, holiday break in December. So we will be back here next week. Same time, same place to talk about Mayakoba. Hopefully a stronger field uh, with Victor Hovland, the defending champion, next week. So we'll be back then for Noto, for our producer, Eli. Thanks to him for working hard and producing the show for us and getting my shot tracker image on the screen. Thanks for watching, everybody, and we'll catch you next week. Take care. Take care.